Sick Boy Wolfgang Productions presents The Offering with Jerry Horror. A deep dive into the history of film and its filmmakers. Mostly horror, always genre. Eighties and nineties horror fans, it is time to rejoice. You've seen his work, you're a fan of his art, and now you can wear artist Mark Schoenbach's sadist art designs. If you're a fan of cult classic horror, you know his work, you've seen it everywhere, from the Halloween franchise to Pool Party Massacre, whether it's at Slashback Video or Mac and Me, you will recognize his distinct style instantly. Now check out his latest stock, including R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike-inspired merchandise. Visit sadistartdesigns.com and put some respect on your swag. Nosebest Candles is a soy wax candle company owned by two Long Island natives turned Manhattanites. They hand pour small batches of cheeky candles that inspire the euphoric feeling of synesthesia. Each candle pairs an enchanting dual fragrance with a curated Spotify playlist to help you set your mood at home. Not to mention, the names of these candles are a conversation starter themselves. Best sellers include Bitch Goddess, Mountain Daddy, and Send Nudes. Their 2021 limited edition Halloween candle is named OMG I'm Dead. That's my favorite. The perfect scent to burn while enjoying your favorite horror podcast. Enjoy 10% off your candle haul this fall using the code JerryHorror10. You can shop on NoseBestCandles.com. Again, 10% off any purchases using JerryHorror10. Welcome to The Offering with Jerry Hara, the show where we can have a quiet and frank discussion as adults about the things that matter to me, or at least that I think matter to me. Please take a moment to subscribe to our show wherever you get fine podcasts, and hey, stay up to date on future episodes. This week on The Offering, we're talking all about Child's Play 2, the cult classic from 1990. Friends Beyond the Binary, welcome to another titillating episode of The Offering. Hey folks, it's your old pal Jerry Har. How you been? Haven't seen you in a while. Excited to see you. How you doing out there? How you doing? This is my virtual giving people daps in the handshake. We're just doing it up. Think 1992 Wesley Snipes. That's, that's the energy I'm putting off, folks. It's big. It's real big. Jesus, I didn't want to do this, but just really quickly, folks, um, Mario Van Peebles' father, Melvin Van Peebles, Sweet Sweetback's badass song, is uh, basically a, a revolutionary filmmaker. If you want to learn about guerrilla filmmaking, Melvin Van Peebles is your man. Unfortunately, he passed away it's a couple of weeks ago now. But I wasn't able to say it because, uh, it, you know, sometimes these episodes don't fall at the right time. 
But uh, I, I think he's one of those people that was very important and instrumental. Oh, it's the cat. So now I've got a cat that wants to be on the podcast, and, and that's something. We're dealing with that. But yeah, Melvin Van Peebles, shout out, because damn, uh, what a career. That didn't come off as sincere, but I'm keeping I'm keeping an eye on the cat because I don't know what she's going to do at any point. Um, yeah, very unpredictable wild animal. They don't tell you that. They don't tell you that about cats. They don't. This is basically having a wild animal in your house. It's just a shrunken down version of a tiger. It's bizarre. Folks, a lot of stuff has been going on. Uh, as you know, in the film industry, a lot, a lot of shenanigans. Uh, the reality of it is, is that we are in the fourth quarter and everything is coming out. Um, as I'm recording this, we're in the beginning of October and there's just so many movies dropping. We've got Halloween Kills. They keep threatening. Netflix bought the rights to that legendary Texas Chainsaw Massacre picture. And they're like threatening to put it out. I think it was shot in Yugoslavia. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. I mean, even Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes knew that you can't shoot that film <laughs> in uh, Yugoslavia. Whatever. Could be good. I heard it's like Old Man Leatherface. Halloween Kills, The Texas Chainsaw, we've got another, I just saw the trailer for the new Paranormal Activity, looks kind of freaky, man, looks freaky, it's also got an R rating, which is the first time, for the, for the most part, the real first time that it got an R rating, because they like that PG-13 money, but it's going to be going direct to Paramount Plus, so with that being said, really doesn't matter what it's rated, because it's streaming, you know, I have to say, big, dear God, Midsummer vibes. It looks like a found footage movie with Midsummer. There's definitely some kind of Aryan cult. That's pretty scary. I mean, I don't want to diss anybody out there, and I don't mean any harm, but albinos are scary. They they never get unscary. If you ever watch the uh, John Carpenter remake of Village of the Damned, ooh, them kids are scary. Yeah. A lot of films coming out. We've got this new Child's Play TV show. You get in the same month in 2021, you've got Michael Myers, uh, Candyman has returned, Chucky has is returning now. If you wanna, if you want the sweet, sweet nostalgia of like, I mean, Jesus, Halloween, we just did H2O, and that movie's like 40 years, <laughs> no, the original, you know, you go back, but. That was 20 years ago, you know, 20 plus years ago. Now. Oh, God. It's crazy sometimes looking back and realizing, wow, these films didn't come out all that long ago, but they kind of did. Chucky's been around since the late 80s. So there's no better time than right now to be a horror fan, because if there's stuff that you missed out on, there were things you were curious about. Now's a good time. Now's a good time. Jump into Halloween. Jump into Paranormal Activity. Jump into Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That way you could probably go back and realize what made the original film so special. Ladies and gentlemen, this week I've got some very, very fun stuff. One of my favorite films. Some people like to call them a guilty pleasure. I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I believe you like what you like. And I gotta tell you, I like Child's Play too. Man, is it a good movie. <laughs> we got it on the TV right now. We're screening it, screening it. 
And it's so crazy to see films that are actually shot in 35 millimeter. It's beautiful. So uh, after the break, after the bump, whatever we got coming up here, I'm going to talk all about Child's Play 2. And, and you stay right where you are. I will be right back, I promise. Child's Play 2 was released November 9th of 1990. It was exactly two years after the first film was released. Grossed over $35 million on a budget of $13 million. They also have the quickest sequel in the entire series. Just a little fun fact here. Child's Play 3 would be released less than nine months later. The first Child's Play was an MGM joint, okay, with United Artists. And then they had some wonky stuff with their distribution. So they basically unloaded the Child's Play and Chucky character to Universal. Universal knew whatever whatever they had to do to get this film. We're going to get into it because there was a whole bidding war over this, over the soul for Chucky. They wanted a sequel. And you can see even after this one, there's Child's Play 3 is like less than nine months later. They... They were like, we're in the Chucky business. Universal was was looking at, you know, and it's cyclical. It feels like it's every 10 years Universal looks to beef up their horror. So they were like, you know, there's certain things that they want to keep, certain toys that they want to have in their cabinet. And I think Chucky was definitely a prized possession for them, especially in the 90s. Because, you know, like I said, in 88, we just had so many movies, and 88 was notorious for sequels. I got to go through the sequels for this year. Let me go back on track, folks, because uh, this will make a lot more sense. On TV in 1990, we've got Roseanne, Wonder Years, 60 Minutes, A Different World, The Cosby Show, Grown, America's Funniest Home Videos, and The Golden Girls. Those are the top shows right now in November of 1990 top songs we've got love takes time by mariah carey ice ice baby by vanilla ice groove is in the heart by delight feels good tony 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 and because i love you by stevie b so this is what what's at the top of the charts i'm bringing you there i'm bringing you there other movies that were released and or dropped at, at the same month jacob's ladder was a big hit psychological horror good stuff postcards from the edge based on the Carrie Fisher stuff. We love Carrie Fisher here. Steven Seagal, noted crazy person and chronically overweight now, marked for death. And Stephen King, one of the lesser adaptations that doesn't get the love that it deserves. It's okay. It's okay, folks. It's, it's Look, it's not one of his... Uh, the graveyard shift. Uh, yeah, exactly. Here's the crazy thing about Child's Play 2, though. One month after this movie comes out, Home Alone comes out. And I think Home Alone was a big game changer. Child's Play 2 becomes this global sensation. And it's like number one at the box office and all this other stuff. And people are like, hey, I want to be in the Chucky business. And then Home Alone comes out. And a week later and just blows any kind of hope that this movie had. I saw this in the theaters. Okay, this was 1990. This is a very formative film. The way they used to market movies... I believe, I want to say it was like two months before Child's Play 2 came out. 
So we're going definitely, <laughs> we're going into the end of August, which is generally where they stick these movies, but they stuck this as a post-Halloween release. Sorry, Jack, Chucky's back, and he's cutting the head off of the Jack in the Box. And I had that poster up in my room. My brother, who was born in 88, terrified of Chucky, I used to threaten him with Chucky. I was like, oh no, Chucky's around that door, you better watch out. It was terrible. Maybe I was a terrible brother. Maybe not. I don't know. Kids need things to be afraid of, right? your breath away this fall chucky rules did you miss me andy i sure missed you child's play too keep an eye out for it yeah so anyway chucky was an omnipresent part of my life i had this poster thinking to myself dear god this is what my life has become, and it's awesome. I love killer dolls. Child's Play kind of scared me. I was always afraid that Chucky would stab me in the groin as a kid. I don't know what it was. That first movie, just it got me, man. I did not see that in theaters. For whatever reason, they were probably like, this is not a good movie for him to see. Look, man, Child's Play, the original, was a big hit, okay? The problem was, was that too many of the producers had money invested in other projects, so they had to sell the rights. Universal, very, very happy to pick up the rights to Child's Play 2. So let's go by the numbers. 1990, this is what came out as far as sequels. So you're saying to yourself, we're kicking off this hot new decade. We're all New Jack Swing. And <laughs> it's 1990. So we've got this same year, sequel-wise, this is what we got. Gremlins 2, The New Batch, Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Maniac Cop 2, Predator 2, Psycho 4, The Beginning, which is underrated. I dig that flick. That's Mick Garris. Uh, Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss, Puppet Master 3, Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, excuse me, 4, Initiation, Basket Case 2, Slumber Party Massacre 3, Sorority House Massacre 2, Watchers 2, Witchcraft 3, The Temptress, Extro 2, The Second Encounter, and last but not least, the prize crowning jewel of 1990, Troll 2. The best worst movie ever. United Artists, they purchased the script of the original Child's Play partially because UA president Tony Tomopoulos. I can't even say this. It's some Greek last name. He's probably dead now. UAMGM Communications Chairman Lee Rich believed that 
this series, the Child's Play series, had the potential for multiple sequels. And the sequel was in pre-production and set to begin on October 15th of 1989. They had to put the film on hold, uh, unfortunately. It was kind of one of these things that Universal wanted the rights to Child's Play. At this point, UA, MGM, they're in a lot of debt. They really can't. uh, They have to basically sell any assets they have, and Child's Play now is an asset. Get ready for this, folks. Paramount Pictures, Warner Brothers, Columbia Pictures, 20th Century Fox, Carlico, New Line Cinema, even Walt Disney and Universal Pictures are all fighting for the rights to the Child's Play sequels. And that's insane. Like, if you really think about it, people always complain, everything's a sequel, man. They just remake stuff now. They've always been doing it. It's always been going on. So everybody is willing to pay. And ultimately, Universal's like, listen, we're going to give Chucky a place. We're going to put him into our theme parks. We're going to do merchandise. We're going to give Chucky a place where he can breathe and kind of grow. We, You know, they probably gave him the spiel. Do we know monsters? We're Universal. We got Universal mon. We got monsters. We know about monsters. Universal always looking. It's funny because everything that was like a huge hit for them became an afterthought. Even the thing, which got picked up by Universal and distributed. It is what it is, man. Originally, this film was to open with a courtroom scene, which is the most exciting way. Because you see in this movie, in the actual film, it just opens up and we get right to the hot Chucky action. And that's part of why this film works is because it's very much toyetic. So originally, they're going to open up with this courtroom scene. It's got a jury. They're sentencing Karen Barclay to a mental institution. They're insisting that, well, she's telling the the jury, she's like, this doll's alive, blah, 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 blah. So Catherine Hicks and Chris Sarandon, they're set to come back and uh, do some new scenes. However, their scenes were cut from the script because uh, they were going to cost too much and it came down to budgetary constraints. They were like, well, you know, Chris Sarandon and uh, Catherine Hicks are going to cost us a lot of money. So, you know what? We're just going to cut them out. Could get them out of there. So (laughs) with that being said, if you want to and look, they were just going to open the movie with Chris Sarandon and Catherine Hicks. It was just going to be the beginning. You know, it was going to be like a 10 minute scene in the beginning of the movie. They cut that out. And this movie is very lean. I mean, it stands about 96, 97 minutes. It's perfect. Here's here's the other thing. Child's Play 2 is a very different movie from the original. The original is it falls into like that thriller, psychological horror as well. The second movie knows what it is. And everybody, for the most part, that's in this film, they know what kind of movie they're in. They understand. They showed up for the, for the job, and they know what they're doing. With that being said, the courtroom scene that I was just talking about, it would be recycled uh, to The Curse of Chucky in 2013. Uh, It would also have contained a scene where Chucky's remains were held in a police evidence locker alongside Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers. They recycled that idea, too, in Bride of Chucky in 1998. So that you see, like with these franchises, that 
there's and I find this with everything. It could be Friday the 13th. It could be Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. A good idea is never lost. There's so many times that they say like, oh, it'd be cool if we could do that. We'll do it in the next one. And I think when you had films like the Nightmare on Elm Street series that were self-contained to New Line Cinema, yeah, they, they could say that. It was a lot of the same people working on these films. So they were, you know, they would say, hey, can't do it this time. That's a good idea. Put it in your back pocket. This film, too, like the last film was shot on location in Chicago, and then they shot on some sound stages. But this film was entirely shot on the Universal Studios lot in Universal City, California. This was very much like an on on set, on studio project. And I think that's kind of cool. I think you had a lot of people that were probably in their 70s, like Sid Sheinberg, that was running Universal. And there was kind of like this weird nostalgia for monster movies, especially like Talking Tina from uh, Twilight Zone. It's kind of this nostalgia for it. You know, people that grew up in the 1950s, Tales from the Crypt, obviously. So there was a bit of a resurgence. I think they grew up with these monster pictures and they liked this. And hey, studio executives like movies that make money. You know, Brad Dorif, he comes in, he records all of his dialogue for Chucky in advance, which allowed him his words to match up. So they did they did the whole script with Brad Dorif and then they animated the the dolls and everything to sync up completely to that, which is incredible. Kevin Yeager, one of my favorite special effects artists, he returned to do the special effects and puppetry and directing several scenes of the film himself. Believe it or not, the biggest piece of drama that went on with this film was that the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees picketed the shoot to demand that the production company stop using non-union employees. They're shooting this movie on the Universal lot because it's self-contained and they think they can do whatever they want. They're just paying non-union. They were probably paying in-house people. It is what it is, folks. All right? Shit happens. I know that it's wrong. I believe in unions. This was kind of one of those things where they they had to sign a union contract in January 1990. So this film was really only made in like 10 months. And then you see the pattern with Child's Play 3 that it's made like nine months later. Now, this is the most interesting part to me that nobody ever talks about with Child's Play 2. I had this as a kid. There was a tie-in novelization that was written by Matthew J. Costello. He basically put in a lot of his own plot scenes. So I I thought that that was very interesting. And they were exclusive to the novel. They went deeper into Andy Barclay and Chucky's past. Kind of like, hey, you know, like what's, what's going on with the two of these characters? Chucky is characterized to have an absent father. (laughs) Chucky has an abusive mother who is a dwarf. Yes, you heard that right. Chucky had an abusive mother that was a dwarf. This was in the novelization. Charles Lee Ray later strangled his mother to death. And then Chucky was put into special classes when he was younger. Jesus Christ. Imagine they had that in the movie. Like Chucky, like these flashbacks. That's the other thing too, like... Chucky's such a repugnant killer that, like, do you really want to... It's kind of one of those things, like, when you make a monster sympathetic, ooh, should you do it? No, I'm really glad this stuff was not in the script. I think if you had Chucky having flashbacks, it just, it would have been too much. 
We'll be right back with more of The Offering with Jerry Horror. Monster lovers, young and old, living and dead. You can now make it Halloween all year round. The Gooligans are dying for you to check out their creepy comedy horror show now on their YouTube channel. Have you been ravenous for programs that are geared more towards your sick sensibility? Have you been fiending for horror and comedy so fun that it makes you want to scream? Well, dig no further. Full episodes of the Gooligans miniseries are available for you to sink your teeth into. And if you don't know about the Gooligans, it's like the monkeys meets the monsters meets Pee-wee's Playhouse. These fun party monsters exist purely to bring on the death of your life-sucking normal everyday TV show. The Gooligans follows the adventures of Boris Stein, the monstrous Frankenstein construct, Wolfgang W. Wolfgang, the likable lycanthrope, and Void, king of the slow zombies, joined by a cadre of your favorite cult cretins, including vampires, sea creatures, luchadors, and sexy go-go girls. Check out the full episodes of their miniseries now on the Gooligans YouTube channel, and have a scary good time. Where can I get my pickles when I can't get to a farmer's market or festival? The answer is Pickle Island in Bayville, New York. Listen, I've been selling a small pickle my whole life. I know all about it. From the vine to the brine, they keep their pickles cold with a delicious, diverse selection of gourmet pickles, including their savory classic bread and butter sweet chip, horseradish pickle, jalapeno pickle, and sweet Cajun pickle. They even got pickled beets and okra, a variety of sour treats for your next barbecue or get-together. But if you visit their store in Bayville, Long Island, New York, there's so much more, so much more. A fantastic selection of physical media, comics, music, movies, VHS, and Matt Roran, their enthusiastic pickle salesman. It's kind of a big deal. Check them out now at hormansbestpickles.com. Hey, quit jerking your gherkin and head over to Pickle Island in Bayville, New York. You're listening to The Offering with Jerry Hara. Got a question or a story you want to share with me? It might be featured in a future episode. Email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at Jerry Hara. I'm also on Instagram. You can find me there at Jerry Hara. Rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review in an upcoming episode. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to The Offering. Now back to the show. This film was followed by Child's Play 3, obviously. For the most part, it's very interesting, though. Because of that writer strike, they had to start shooting, I guess it was probably like March of 1990, to have it in theaters by November. So it's kind of this accelerated pacing. At one point, they had considered, they were like, hey, maybe maybe Child's Play 2 should be a direct-to-video series. Because at that time, like with Blockbuster starting to swallow up the mom and pops, it became one of those things where they needed product and they would be more than willing to take gigantic amounts of stock and product of VHS of movies like Child's Play 2. 
So that had been a possibility. Uh, later in the decade, Disney would figure that out with the home video market by doing sequels to everything they did, like they did like Aladdin 2, Lion King and a Half, all that crap. And the reality of uh, the reality of it is, is a lot of it was garbage, but it made money, and, and that's really all that matters. This film was written again by Don Mancini, who is doing the upcoming Chucky series right now. Music by Graham Ravel. I love his stuff. Obviously, like The Crow. He's good. He's good. I was wrong with their running time. I thought this was 97 minutes. This is an 84-minute movie. Dear God. Ooh, boy. You know what, though? It's better for it. Like, it's a killer doll movie. How long? (laughs) You know, like, and that's the other thing, too, is... You can't play with the trope anymore. Once the monster is out of the box, you can't put him back in. So you can't play that fake out stuff with the monster. We all know that he's alive. In the beginning, you know, like the first, second act of a movie, you can kind of pretend like, oh, is Chucky real? Is he alive? Well, maybe it's all, you know, it's somebody. No, he's really alive. And then once you prove that he's alive, you have to go in a different place with it. So this film kind of falls more into the territory of a straight-up slasher sequel. We've got Chucky just offing people in nasty ways. The first movie is really through Andy Barkley's, um, his perspective, but even more so because now in this film, like, he gets put into a foster home and the mother isn't there. He's really kind of on his own. So this film is even more so through the perspective of a child. And I gotta say, I kind of, now being older and looking back at it, I'm like, this is kind of fucked up. Because when you're a kid, you would have movies like Gremlins and like Corey Feldman was the kid. That's how you kind of absorbed it. You know, we were like, oh, I guess if I was a character, I would be the Corey Feldman character in Gremlins. But when the kid is the lead, like if it's, a, it's like, I go back to Joe Dante's uh, Explorers, when you're when you're the actual child experiencing it, a flight of the navigator. But in this case, it's an evil doll. It's an evil foul mouthed doll, and it's rated R. It's you know, it's not Pee Wee Herman in the cockpit of some science fiction <laughs> nonsense that Disney was trying to sell at the time. This movie's got I, you know what? I like the cast in this movie. Alex Vincent obviously comes back as Andy Barclay. Uh, Brad Dorif, come on, it's Chucky. You, like could. Here's the thing, too, like, they got so cheap with this movie because they're like, yeah, we'll make it for nothing. So they got rid of, you know, Susan, Sar- not Susan Sarandon. <laughs> they couldn't afford that. Chris Sarandon, they were like, yeah, we're just not going to have them in this movie. They were talking about, can we get somebody else to do the Brad Dorif thing? And I'm like, no, you can't. Even after one movie, I mean, you could do it, but it would be like, hello, I'm Charles Lee Ray and I'm going, you know, it would just be bad. Christine Elise. Oh, my God. She's the girl from Beverly Hills 90210. Yo, she still looks good, too. Sorry. I, I got to put it out there. You got to shoot your shot, folks. You got to run into these people at horror conventions. You never know. She's like, oh, that, that Jerry Hara fellow thought that I was quite striking. But no, seriously, I had a huge crush on her. She ended up playing pretty much the crazy girl, Beverly Hills 90210. She had a crush on Brandon. And then, like, tried murdering him. Or the facsimile of that on Beverly Hills. <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210 never got that serious. They had, like, episodes. Like, even when they had episodes about ecstasy, it was, like, called something else. It was like, yeah. Jenny Agutter. 
as Joanne Simpson. You might know her from An American Werewolf in London. Garrett Graham as Phil Simpson. These are the people, obviously, these are the foster parents. But, dear God, (laughs) Garrett Graham has been in everything. People don't even realize how many films that this guy's been in. And he was in a ton of TV shows, too. Wow, I didn't know he did all this TV. Starsky and Hutch, The Dukes of Hazard. He's just been in everything. He's in Phantom of the Paradise, which is a fan. Of, I cannot talk today, folks. I'm a huge fan of the Phantom of Paradise. I didn't realize, going over uh, Garrett Graham's, he's just been in so many films. Anyway, sight unseen, this film has a great supporting cast. They double down. They double down on the Chucky Puppeteers. They've got a, a tight team of like 15 people working on this film. Everything that they had gained, the knowledge. Because Child's Play was very experimental, they were doing a lot of things that had never been done before. And one thing that I enjoy about this film series is you can see Chucky change as technology changes. You know, they start to integrate CGI. And uh, it's kind of cool because they find this absolute marriage now for like this new TV show, Chucky, that works. But in this film, it's all practical effects. And I got to say that it looks great. The puppets are very expressive. You can just tell like even like all the animatronics were just more advanced, you know? And again, the other film had only been shot two years ago. This movie, believe it or not, this film, Child's Play 2, is the fan favorite. Most people will tell you. People that are Chucky fans will tell you. My theory is they saw it as kids. This film is, we always, we've talked about this before, about things being toyetic. You know, toyetic being, does it lend itself to playability? Uh, this film, and especially the ending sequence, but the opening... They're opening up Chucky's skull and pulling his eyeballs out. And it's it's kind of very affecting in a way with like Toy Story 3, which was by far the darkest, was the darkest of the Toy Story 3. But people like that stuff. And if you're the right age and you're seeing like this kid and the doll, the colorful factory, this film knows what it is. It's 84 minutes and he gets adopted by this family. Chucky wants his soul. We're getting down to business. There ain't no like, oh, maybe he's, you know, because again, you lost that chase. Now that it, now that everything's been exposed, you can't do it in the sequel. All that Chucky can do is start doubling down on his witty dialogue and the way they sold this film too. I mean, in the teaser and and go like watch the teaser for this film. It's on YouTube. It's pretty, (laughs) it's an expansion of that poster that I had as a kid. You see a Jack in the box and then it's sorry, Jack, Chucky's back. And that was, that was a great tagline because I think every little kid that I knew at that time knew that tagline. Was this film kind of sold towards kids? Yeah, we were kind of nearing that, you know, Chucky kind of sums up the anarchy. It's 1990. Things are changing. New decade. Chucky's a bad boy. It's like that Bart Simpson. And I think kids latch on to stuff like that. I think largely, yeah, it's a toy. And I like toys and I play with toys, but this is a badass toy that kills people. So there's a certain segment of children that are going to always like this. To me, it's even crazy now. I went to the Halloween Horror Nights one year 
and they they did the Chucky house and it was fantastic and it was largely based on child's play too because the sets and everything in this film while it was all filmed on the universal studios back lot for whatever reason this film is very colorful it's very tight some people could say that it was kind of shot like a tv movie but i don't believe that i think they were just trying to tell the story that that they were and again when you're shooting stuff all on a soundstage, you know, it kind of starts to get that look. No offense or anything. John Lafia, director of Child's Play 2, he did uh, The Blue Iguana. He worked on Child's Play as one of the writers, and they said, hey, do you want to direct the second film? He's like, yeah, I'll do it. So immediately, John Lafia jumped into that slot. Uh, 1993, three years later, he directs Man's Best Friend with Ali Sheedy and Lance Henriksen, the killer Rottweiler film that didn't live up to the premise. Sorry, but on the poster and the VHS cover, there's a robotic dog, and we never get a robotic dog. You don't even know, dude. When I was a kid, I was so I was like, oh, man, that dog is going to be like the Terminator underneath. You know what? He wasn't. So that's, uh, that teaches you a lesson early on. Don't be fooled, kids. If it's on the movie poster and it's on the VHS does not mean that's what you're going to get. Truth in advertising, folks. John Lafia, he had a heck of a career doing a lot of TV, man. Freddy's Nightmares, Babylon 5. Ooh, did a couple episodes of the old Dead Zone. I like the Dead Zone. That's pretty cool. Eh, He he largely, uh, oh no, wait, what is this? Oh, you're not going to believe this, folks. And I didn't even know this. I totally overlooked this. John Lafia passed away April 29th of 2020. Dear God, that is sad. But that's what happens. You know, now that Don Mancini has complete control over this franchise, I think we're going to see where he's going to take it. And that should be quite interesting. He's been doing these movies for a long time now. So it kind of becomes one of those things that if you're passionate about it and it's your baby, now he's fully got the wheel. Everything that he's doing over at Sci-Fi, he's got final say. He's controlling his creation fully. So if you're disappointed in it, you can blame Don Mancini. If you love it, you can also blame him. That's kind of how this works, folks. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. There's a lot of crazy stuff that went on as far as that's at one point we're trying to get this film out for Halloween and they just couldn't do it for whatever reason. They couldn't get everything cut. Even the soundtrack by Graham Revell was done at the last minute. They they had basically just locked the picture not too many months before October and they brought in Graham Revell because they had somebody else doing like a temp mix on the movie. And before they realized it, they were like, oh, wait, we we need like a proper score on this film. And for whatever reason, they couldn't get it done. I, I don't know what the deal is, but you would think, you know, you would think that Universal would definitely want this movie out for Halloween. Like I told you, the only other movie at that time that was in theaters was Jacob's Ladder. And Jacob's Ladder is a totally different audience. 
you know, you're going to, for a child's play too, you're bringing in kids that are going to sneak in a six pack, you know, you're not bringing in the art house crowd. And that was cool. You know, that that was a different movement at that time. This child's play too was released on VHS April 11th of 1991. Now, again, this movie had that number one opening. This movie opened up on 1,996 screens in the U.S. It's just incredible. It went on to make another $10 million internationally. I think why this film is so beloved is mainly because it's forbidden. This is the movie you're not supposed to see, okay? And I mean this in the best possible way. There's something sleazy about Child's Play 2. I can't put my my finger on it exactly, but it's almost like if this was on HBO and you were like a little kid, your parents are like, yo, you can't watch this. It's going to give you nightmares. And that's why even though Chucky is this R-rated, and you know what? It was a lot of the other properties. You think about Rambo. You think about Aliens. Those were R-rated properties. Predator being marketed towards kids by Kenner. Uh, it was a different time. But I hate to say it. These were the type of movies like if you were getting together with a couple of your friends and ordering some pizza. Child's Play was the type of movie you wanted to watch with your friends. The whole film, I mean, it works. And there's no fat on it. It gets right down to the action. Things are happening. Chucky is murdering everyone. The kills aren't crazy. There's nothing in the movie that's like, oh my God, you know, where it's like Friday the 13th level. But I think that's not why we're here. We're really here for Chucky. That's that's what it comes down to. At the end of the day, people want to see the story of Andy Barclay continue, but it's it's we're really there for Chucky. You know, that, that's kind of the big draw here. It's pulling everybody in. Ultimately, I don't know what significant cultural contribution this film has. There is none. I, I just really like it. I think it's, it, it's just a compact movie. It works. It has everything you want in a sequel. And essentially at this time, we just wanted more Chucky. This is also where the franchise pivots. The third movie, look, I'm gonna, I gotta be honest here. The third movie I'm not crazy about. Not really a fan of Chucky 3. One of the big things, too, I was talking about this film being toyetic. When you're talking about the climax of this film, the big fight in the toy factory, uh, you got NECA, you got Mezco, Trick or Treat. They're all making fantastic Chucky products. But this fight at the end where he becomes all gnarly and mangled there was just something like god i want to own all of this and thankfully that's one of the things that we've gotten now as an adult they make all these incredible collectibles of chucky we're getting like real life one-to-one facsimiles of what this doll is you can have it as the i don't care i'm still going to call it my buddy you can have it in the og my buddy style you can have it with his face ripped off. However you want it. You want him from Bride of Chucky. You want your own Tiffany. 1-1 one, one scale. Put it in the car. Bring it to the drive-thru. Go order a McDonald's shake. Say, hey, could I have a Shamrock shake? And one for Tiffany and Chucky. I don't know if you're going to do that. I mean, 
now I'm kind of thinking I want to do that. <laughs> Trick or Treat Studios, send me over, uh, send me over one of those replicas. I think I might do a video series. Probably get shot. Probably get slapped. Probably the first person I do it on be like some weird Karen. What are you doing? Leave me alone. You're you're a terrorist with your doll. I don't know if that's what she'd say. I don't know. I don't hang with bitches like that, so I don't know. I don't roll like that. Well, folks, I hate to say it, but we got to go. It's unfortunate, but that's all there is to this episode. I'd like to tell you that there's something crazy and there's something different with this movie, but it's just a really good movie, and it's 84 minutes. And it's everything that you need. There's a little kid smoking in it. And he's got he's got the big uh, Shining vibes. Got the Danny Torrance vibes. I don't know. There's not a lot going on with this film. What did you want? There's not even a lot of drama. They shot it on the Universal Studios back lot. That's where they got the Jaws ride. You know? It's, it is, there's nothing going on there, man. Chucky was a hot property. He was a hot commodity. And he was... Fully using all of his powers to get the bag. And that's really that's really what this movie's all about. Absolutely ridiculous. We're watching the film now, and producer Pete is watching uh Christina Lisa. She's uh, picking up Chucky out of the dirt. She's on the swing. Dear God. But yeah, the, it, that's one thing I gotta say about this movie. Oh, Chef's Kiss, 84 minutes. Do it more, folks. Folks, seriously, like I'm excited to see this new Venom too. People are like, why are you so excited? It's 90 minutes. Even if I don't like it, I mean, come on, we watch all these TV shows now, you know? It's crazy. Folks, that's Child's Play 2, 1990, one of my favorite cult classic films. Give it a watch. I think you'll enjoy it. And if you don't, kiss my ass. I don't know what to tell you. Hey, speaking of kissing my ass, get on social media, at Jerry Hara on the Twitter, on the Instagram. We got a YouTube. We got a YouTube, The Offering with Jerry Hara. Go to the YouTube. Be like, oh man, my grandma loves horror movies, but she doesn't know dick about podcasts. Send her the YouTube link. Say, grandma, you can listen to Jerry Hara. Or what, actually now I'm probably dating myself. Your parents. Tell your parents that they can listen to Jerry Hara on the YouTubes. Whatever. Look, We've always got new and exciting episodes. And if you support this show, it helps us grow. Even by sharing this stuff on social media, telling your friends about it, leave a review. For God's sakes, if you love me, the least you can do is leave me a review. You are a sad, sick person. And I love you for it. All right, folks. It's time for me to wrap this up. Put the old, uh, hit the old dusty trails, as Joe Bob would say, and mosey on down into the sunset because that's how i roll sorry jack chucky's back let's wrap it up for real mostly horror always genre see you soon folks you've been listening to the offering with jerry horror i'm very sorry produced by pete Bune. if you have a question or a story you want to share with me we'd love to hear from you you can email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit us up at Twitter at jerryhara or on Instagram at jerryhara. You get in the picture? Subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are provided for you and your family. I want you to enjoy. Just join us next time for another offer.
I'm Tom. My partner Mike and I have been friends and co-workers for a long time. And at work, we're known for our daily water cooler conversations about TV shows and movies we are currently watching. Whether we're arguing over which Marvel TV show is the best or agreeing about which Netflix original movie is the worst, the pop culture conversation is always popping on Two Brothers at a Water Cooler. You can listen to Two Brothers at a Water Cooler on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe and share today. This has been a Sick Boy Wolfgang production. Thank you for listening.